G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I remember one night I got out and I ran into my daughter's room and picked her up because she'd just been blown up and I could smell the explosion, I could see the smoke. I carried her into my bedroom and, and started bandaging up her arm to stop the bleeding and Zoe's sort of woken up at this point because my daughter's screaming and Zoe's saying, put her down and I'm saying, no, no, she'll be okay, she'll be okay, i just got to stop the bleeding. And then I'd sort of come to and realise that I'm holding my daughter and there's nothing wrong with her. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, we have one about the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. Andy Cullen is a veteran of 17 years' service in the Australian Army. Retiring as a major in 2012, he was diagnosed with PTSD following multiple deployments to Afghanistan. Unfortunately, as time went by, his condition gradually got worse and his wife Zoe was left to pick up the pieces of their broken family. They've written about their experiences in a book called Resurrected, A Story of Hope, and they're sharing with Eric Scatterbo. Andy and Zoe, welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Eric. Glad to have you with us. And it's kind of interesting, you know, it starts off talking about post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD and struggles in your family, where Zoe has to pick up the broken pieces of the family. But then, you know, the, the name of the book is A Story of Hope. So through it all, there has been a story of hope. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that's the wonderful thing about our story. It can be pretty full on at times, mm-hmm. and particularly um, when veterans and, and other people that, that have lived similar experiences read it. We often get that feedback. It's a it's a very tough read at times, but there's a good ending in this, and uh, that's a wonderful thing, and that's all wrapped up in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, well, we're going to get to that good ending, but first, let's go back to your backgrounds. Now, growing up, you always wanted to be in the military, is that right? Yeah, I knew I wanted to be in the military from a very young age. My father was in the military, um, you know, traveled around the world and around Australia, Following his career, um, he ended up serving 50 years, so it was almost oh, wow. instilled in me. Um, I've always had a, a real deep desire and passion to serve my nation, um, a patriotic heart, and it was something that you know, I knew going straight out of school I, I was going to join the military. Okay, and you said that your priorities were Army, friends, family, in that order. Yeah, they were. You know, I was pretty driven. Um, I was very driven to perform well. I wanted to do the toughest job I could find and be the best at it. And um, much of my focus was was based around my career. And as a result of that focus, obviously other things um, took a back seat, friendships and, and family. And uh, that was probably the hardest thing that I put my family through whilst I was in the Army was that constant putting them second mm. behind what the military needed. Um, when I was requested to, to deploy overseas, I'd go um, and I'd return and I'd put them before the needs and even some of the responsibilities of being a father. Okay, and meanwhile, Zoe, what was life like for you growing up? Um, well, I grew up 
in northern New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents decided to move us to Acreage when I was 16 and we lived in caravans for a couple of years while we built a mud brick house. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was very um, organic. <laughs> um, but, you know, I grew up with uh, my parents who are um, just incredibly devoted to one another and, you know, so I've, I grew up with a very different understanding of what marriage was and I really didn't have any exposure to the military at all except for, like, films like um, Officer and a Gentleman. So <laughs> really I had a romantic notion of yeah. uh, what I was getting myself into, yeah. <laughs> then you met and married, and as we heard in the introduction, Andy was deployed to Afghanistan. Tell us about your experiences there. Yeah, I was deployed in 2008 uh, for the first time and then again in 2012. You know, coming back from both those deployments sort of left a bit of a mark. Um, I was prepared. I was trained well to do a job and a job that I believed in strongly. Um, we were making a difference on the ground to the people around us. And I started to, to recognize a few issues. You know, I came back, I started to have some pretty vivid nightmares and, and dreams, reliving some of the um, sort of more horrible events that I was exposed to. Um, but But really just tried to place it to the back of my mind and focus on work and I couldn't wait to actually get back to overseas. I was I was almost, at, it was like I was more at home on the battlefield than I was in my own house. Really? Why is that? Um, life didn't really seem to make sense anymore. You know, I'd seen people murdered and um, mm. life became different. And so settling back in and, and watching People go about their normal daily routines like what they're going to eat for dinner and what they're going to pick up from the shops and driving here and there. And I just thought, where's all this leading? You know, it doesn't make any sense. I've just come from an environment where people are getting shot and blown up and um, life is, is uh, the value of life is almost reduced quite significantly to, you know, society in Australia almost just didn't make sense anymore. I couldn't really reconcile with what was going on. Perhaps we should uh, define some terms for people who aren't familiar with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Could you kind of give us a a thumbnail sketch of what that is and help somebody who hasn't heard of it understand what somebody who's gone through that has gone through? Sure. So post-traumatic stress disorder is a mental disorder um, that impacts people that have been exposed to or, or suffered significant trauma. Um, it impacts people from every walk of life, not just soldiers, but it's certainly prevalent in war uh, with soldiers. Um, for me, I, I viewed it as something like a, a, a weakness that would only appear in people that were of weak character or had a, had some form of personal flaw. So I saw people in, in the theatre, um, even my own men, people that were suffering uh, with signs and symptoms of PTSD, uh, but I had very little empathy for it because I really thought it wasn't something that I'd have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But certainly when it started to present in my own life, I went through a significant period of shame and um, I couldn't really understand why it was happening to me. It wasn't supposed to happen to me. I was tough. I was uh, competent. I, I didn't really have any issues whilst I was deployed. So, you know, I just got on and did my job, simply put the the images and and sounds and smells of horrible things that were happening around me to the back of my mind and didn't deal with anything. And uh, that allowed me certainly to operate really effectively at the time in a theatre of war. But um, the reality is we are impacted by our environment. And 
if you don't address some of these things, they certainly will pop up and make you address them at some point. I mean, at the end of the day, we are human beings. I mean, if we see stuff that's traumatic, it's going to affect us. Absolutely. I think that's, um, you know, that was that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. Uh, it, it impacts people in different ways. Some people can continue on in life and not be impacted. Others will be impacted quite early. These things, signs and symptoms can appear much later. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it didn't really happen until I separated from the army and went through a period of loss of identity and purpose. And it really threw my life into a spin where I thought, well, what who am I? You know, I'm no longer Major Andy Cullen, EOD technician. I'm just uh, Joe Blogg, civilian, um, trying to earn some money to put food on the table. And with that loss of identity came a, a fair amount of depression. And I think that really weighed heavily on, on my soul. And, and a lot of the unresolved issues um, that I was facing sort of started to rise to the surface a lot more. And for me, it came in the form of really horrific hallucinations and and nightmares. Okay, we're going to ask you about those experiences in just a moment. But first, I just wanted to ask Zoe, had you ever heard of PTSD before your husband experienced it? No, absolutely not. I had no idea what PTSD was. And it's not even something that they um, at that time prepared you for as a possibility. Um, They would um, give you a little booklet to say, oh, when he comes back, there might be some, you know, teething problems settling in. Give it about three months and, you know, just getting back into routine because he's experienced some things overseas and really that was going to be the extent of it. And after about three months, everything would go back to normal. That's pretty much all the training that you got. So, no, PTSD was something I was completely unprepared for and completely ill-equipped. I did not know how to handle it. Okay, and then one day you're seeing your husband act in strange ways. Well, no, for for us, um, I think uh, it, it was about six months in um, and I thought, hang on a minute, we're still walking on eggshells. Uh, I've still got to tell the kids to, hey, be quiet, dad's not handling this. And just even not knowing what kind of father was going to greet the kids, what kind of husband was going to greet me. Was he in a good mood? Was he in a bad mood? Was he going to fly off the handle? Um, were we going to end up in a massive argument because I wasn't careful with the way I phrased a question? Um, was he going to freak out because the kids were being kids and were playing, but it was a bit too noisy for him? Mm. Um, basically, six months in, I thought there were so many things that Andy was uh, like, he lost complete empathy for his kids. I remember an instance where. Um, Charlie at the time, who would have been about two, he fell over in the backyard on on the pavers and got a big graze on his knee. And Andy basically sort of waited a moment before he responded. Then he went over and went, oh, you'll be right, mate. And I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, that's your child who's crying. Mm. You would, like a father would pick that. He just wants to be picked up by his dad and go, it's okay, let me kiss it, let me get a Band-Aid for you, let me give you a bit of attention, a bit of compassion. So... And I think the other thing that I noticed was he had become unreachable. So before we'd have arguments or whatever, you know, just as couples do. But now it was like we were arguing all the time and there was never a moment where he'd end up going, oh, sorry, babe, or it was just I would end up being going, oh, my gosh, what planet are you on? I don't even know what you're talking about. How did you even get that from what I said? It was just like this sense of... um, All reason was gone. Mm. 
And I think I just got to the point where there was no love anymore. There was absolutely no love. And I think it was about six months in when I basically said to him, you've got to go and get help. Something's wrong. Because if you don't, I don't think we can come back from this. You are destroying this family. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Andy and Zoe Cullen about the struggles they went through after Andy came back from serving in Afghanistan and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. We'll find out how God brought hope and healing to their lives when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Andy and Zoe Cullen, authors of the book Resurrected, A Story of Hope, about their journey through PTSD following Andy's multiple deployments to Afghanistan. Next, we're going to find out just what it's like to experience post-traumatic stress disorder as Andy shares what was going on inside of him during those dark days. I was under this constant torment, so um, I was losing sleep. I wasn't sleeping really at all. Um, each night I'd be attacked by these horrific hallucinations. Um, I remember one particular night. Were these like flashbacks from experiences? Yeah, you essentially they were flashbacks and, and they were, <laughs> mate, they were so real, you know. Um, I, I remember one night I got up and I ran into my daughter's room and picked her up because she'd just been blown up and I could smell the explosion, I could see the smoke. I looked at her body and she was missing a right arm and her whole face and, and upper body was covered in burns and I carried her into my bedroom and, and started bandaging up her arm to stop the bleeding and Zoe's sort of woken up at this point because my daughter's screaming and Zoe's saying, put her down and I'm saying, no, no, she'll be okay, she'll be okay, I've just got to stop the bleeding. And then I'd sort of come to and realise that I'm holding my daughter and there's nothing wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a complete uh, disorientation. I didn't know the difference between what was real and what was um, in my mind. And so that, that wore me down. It really did. I, I'd, yeah. I'd become fearful of actually going to sleep at night, knowing that, uh, you know, what's tonight going to hold for me? So I, I'd just start drinking and, you know, I started to abuse alcohol quite significantly, which which resulted in a number of problems in itself, but the home, like Zoe was saying, became really quite difficult for everyone. It was difficult for the kids. It was difficult for Zoe, and I just started to isolate, and as a result, just drew away from my kids. And that loss of empathy that we spoke about is such a, a horrific thing to go through. As a father, I look back now, and I'm I'm ashamed. Do you remember that incident that Zoe was talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely lost empathy for the kids and for Zoe. I actually didn't want to be around them anymore. I thought I was just a burden to them. So, you know, I thought about sort of ending my life to as a as a way of making their lives better and, and ending my own pain. I remember one day I was sitting on the edge of my bed, complete despair, my head buried in my hands, and um, I was just feeling sorry for myself, thinking about, you know, ways to make the pain stop. And... Um, my daughter Eden, she came up and she just tried to nudge in 
and push into my arms and, and try and give me a cuddle and I pushed her away. I thought, look, I don't want, I want to be alone. I don't want you near me. Um, this little girl who just wanted a cuddle from her dad and I couldn't stand it. I was, I must have pushed her away four or five times, but you know, the persistence of that little one's amazing. She just kept pushing and eventually she broke through and she reached up and grabbed both arms around my neck and pulled me so tight. And she whispered in my ear, Dad, I love you. And I just thought, man, it broke something. You know, that mm. that love and empathy that I'd buried that it was sort of almost completely gone got reignited in that moment. And I'm so thankful for all of my kids today and, and the love and honour of my wife who stood by me through all the pain. Wow, what a beautiful picture of God's love. Even though we kind of push him away, uh, he mm. keeps coming back more and more times. And I wanted to ask you, Andy, about something you, you call moral injury, which can kind of help us understand what somebody who's going through PTSD is going through. Tell us, what, what is moral injury? Yeah, sure. I suppose the easiest way to understand it is, you know, we are mind, body, and spirit. So when we injure ourselves, um, we injure our arm, then we go to the doctor and we treat it. If we've got a, a mental injury, we'll treat that. But no one really talks about the soul or the, the spirit injuries. So a lot of the things that I witnessed in Afghanistan left a mark. They left a, a wound to my soul, um, things that I couldn't reconcile with, uh, things that didn't make sense to me. You know, I, I'd seen innocent children and women murdered, um, mm. torn apart, and those sorts of things just kept tormenting me because I hadn't hadn't been able to um, to deal with that. And move on. And unless we're able to deal with those things, they will continue to um, present in ways that can sort of bring us down. So a moral injury is exactly that, or something that goes against your moral code. So you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong and it doesn't make sense. And whether you've witnessed it, been a part of it, or um, however that's um, impacted in trauma in your life and however it presents itself, it's going to leave a mark so it needs to be addressed. And that's what we do now is really help people to deal with those moral injuries. Yeah, so I wanted to make sure that I'm kind of understanding this. So if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that things that you know are wrong that are not decent and honorable, you know, the exact opposite of what is decent and honorable, you were seeing these things that were unjust over and over and horrific and that it's just wearing on you. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So it wears down the soul to a point where you just get completely overrun. and, and Overrun know, by un- injustice, I guess. Absolutely. And um, we need to address that. We need to treat moral injury. And, and a lot of the things that, that, that underpin that are the root cause of other issues. So, you know, a lot of people that suffer PTSD suffer from alcoholism, anger. There's all sorts of symptoms that go along with that. But, but that's just a symptom. We're not if we address the symptom, we're not necessarily addressing the root cause. So the root cause of the injury is often a moral issue, um, something like a loss of identity, a loss of purpose, a guilt. A lot of people go through false guilt. I certainly did. I had incidents in Afghanistan where I thought, if only I'd done this, maybe those kids wouldn't have died. If only mm. we had turned up earlier. If only you know, we were in that location. If only I'd seen that roadside bomb. Um, so there's all these ideas of false guilt that mm-hmm. need to be addressed, forgiveness, you know, forgiveness of self mm-hmm. and forgiveness of others. And it's through uh, Christ's 
that we are able to learn how to go through those things and actually deal with them. So we're dealing with the root cause that addresses really all the fruit of that. So all the symptoms can then be addressed properly. In addition to the moral injury, you said that you suffered from a loss of purpose, identity, and depression. Can you kind of take us through some of those feelings? Yeah, sure. So my my identity and purpose were really wrapped up in my role in the military. I, I was very proud of what we were doing. Um, we were involved in a, a very specialist field of of the military, um, and it was tough. It was a it was a tough job, but I loved it, and I still miss it. You know, the camaraderie, the feeling of working alongside your mates. You, that's who you go back to war for. It's not the country's sort of political agenda. It's it's about fighting alongside one another. So mm-hmm. when I was removed from the military, I really struggled. I was like floundering like a fish out of water, you know, trying to identify who I was now and what my purpose in the world was and how I fit in. And that, that really threw me into a bit of a depression and, and a cycle of pain, which I turned to alcohol, like a lot of people, to try and deal with that. But it, it was actually something that Zoe identified and helped me to identify through Christ that um, I had another identity. I had a lot more purpose. That your purpose was as a father, as a husband. Yeah, absolutely. So she said, you know, you are a dad, you are a husband, you've got a lot of these things where you need to look at life a bit differently. And I didn't actually see value the same way then that I do now. So it, it took asking a question of God, who am I? You know, what is my purpose? Um, I'm reminded of a, an, a story when I was in a, I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital um, on the Gold Coast and I was laying there in a pretty bad way. I'd, I'd reached the bottom of myself and um, I was contemplating suicide and I picked up a Bible and I, I opened it to the chapter Second Timothy 1 verse 7 and it says, You are not made with a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind. And those three things were completely opposite to what was going on in my, my life and what the world was telling me. Sound mind, I was I was literally in a psychiatric hospital. I don't think they put people of sound mind in there. No, I don't think um, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, power, I'd lost my job. I couldn't provide for my family. I couldn't pay the mortgage. I'd lost my identity in, as an officer in the army. I had no authority. And love, I was actually going through that complete loss of empathy and and love for even my own children, like we spoke about earlier. But in that moment, I decided, okay, God, if if you're there, you need to turn up in a real way and 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 help me out because I'm at the bottom. I can't do this in my own strength anymore. And I surrendered to Him, and I decided in that moment to believe His truth over who I was, rather than what the world was saying. And how did? having a relationship with your Heavenly Father and completely surrendering to Him, how did that help to heal the moral injury that you were talking about earlier? Well, it wasn't a radical salvation or <laughs> complete healing, although I would have loved it at the time. Um, it was a journey, mate, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, it was a journey about you know digging into the gospel, working out who I was, and developing a relationship with Jesus. Um and it's something that I still do today. You know, I, I'm constantly going back to the Bible. I went through a period where I couldn't read. Uh, the, the the PTSD was affecting my cognitive abilities, and um, it was very frustrating for me. 
So I started, a mate actually directed me to a version Bible app. I could listen to the Word, mm-hmm. and I started listening to it. And uh, instead of laying in bed being fearful of going to sleep and, and being tormented, I started just falling asleep listening to the Gospel. Wow, just listening to God's Word over and over. Over and over again. And yeah. you cannot hear the Word of God without being changed. Mm. So I was going through a change. I was going through a um, a growth and a spiritual growth that was astounding. And I went through a lot of ups and downs in that journey. But in the end, it just drew me closer to God. It it, um, it gave me new purpose, a new identity, and, and got us to the point where we're at now where I feel like I'm living God's purpose for my life and nothing has been wasted. That was Eric Scatterbo chatting with Andy and Zoe Cullen about the struggles they went through after Andy came back from serving in Afghanistan and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. But, as we just heard, the Lord broke through the darkness and chaos that was going on in Andy's mind, and he began to heal. But that's not how the story ends. Next time, Zoe shares her side of the story and what it was like living with a spouse experiencing PTSD and how she eventually called out to the Lord in desperation for help. The good news is that they are now helping other veterans suffering from PTSD. To find out more, their website is psdresurrected.com. And once again, the name of their book is Resurrected, A Story of Hope. Well, until next time, we'll hear part two of Andy and Zoe's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I just got to the point where... There was no love anymore. There was absolutely no love. And I think it was about six months in when I basically said to him, you've got to go and get help. Something's wrong. Because if you don't, I don't think we can come back from this. You are destroying this family. Andy Cullen was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder after serving in the military in Afghanistan. His wife Zoe says when he came back, he was prone to dramatic mood swings and other unpredictable behaviour. She says how God brought healing to their marriage and family next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 